All rise in the courtroom and to those listening on stream for the dishonorable badger is entering the scene. Apparently doing this as a day job simply was not enough. So let your jaws drop to the floor cause we can't make this stuff up. Welcome back to the legal fun house. We put the fun in dysfunctional. It's crazy in the legal fun house but weirdly educational. But every single one is remarkably true. to law school and is more than qualified to talk about the strangest cases from the strangest people alive and the friend that he brought along barely past eighth grade whose legal experience lies within parking in the fire lane welcome back to the legal fun house we're just as confused as you it's finally time for the legal fun house and without further ado Every single one is remarkably true. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Season 2 of Boozy's Legal Funhouse, Episode 1. I forget what I fucking titled it. I'm your host, the Boozy Badger, Boozy Barrister, and with me tonight, as always, is our certified legal layman, Alkali. Nice to see y'all, and it's called Harry Palms and Money. I can read it. Why is it called that? We will, we'll get into that. Oh, God. We'll get into that. That's, that is, that's part of the allure. That's that's part of in case you can't tell if you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting service, all the shit that I do for Boozy's Legal Funhouse is recorded live, and I always say it's not edited to keep the je ne sais quoi of a live recording with an audience. But the truth of the matter is I'm just too goddamn lazy to edit this. So so if we fuck up, it stays in. We we the last time that we were here. It was our Christmas episode. It was the final episode of season one, uh, the tale of the suing Santas. And we were going to come back in the new year. But Alkali, as you may or may not know, uh, used to have a real job, does not have a real job now. Now Alkali is a professional comedian, which is just a way of saying his unemployment benefits ran out. So he has to put something in that career space on all the forms they make you fill out. And comedian was the best one that he could put in there nailed it <laughs> and and alkali's like man I, I have uh things to do so we'll record heavy right after i get back from this event that booked me and i went ah, that's fine that's fine we'll just do two episodes that week and then alkali went to that event and did a great job raised a lot of money for charity told some wonderful jokes performed as amazingly as he does even when i'm not present and uh, immediately fucking injured himself and got stranded at a friend's house in arizona for a solid week yep <laughs> Because you know what? I really didn't think out the idea. I bought a van. I can drive everywhere now. Oh, right. I'm a broken bastard. Silly, silly Dan. I, I just, I love the fact 
that somehow in the least physical job on the face of the planet, you have thrown your back out multiple times. You've seen how I perform comedy. It is not the least physical job that I do. You perform comedy drunk, sir. And? (laughs) Before we get into... (laughs) Go ahead. I learned from the best. Chicago stand up, fall down. When they were falling down, they were funnier. I'm just keeping it alive, baby. (laughs) Before we get in to tonight's legal news stories and cases, I do need to read off the names of the Patreon supporters of the show over at patreon.com slash lawyers and liquor. If you want to be one of those wonderful people, I suggest you go there. Uh, So, a special thank you to Dragor, Tezcat Magic, Jag, Wayland, Arosh, Beaten, Dozer, Trash Panda, Mama T, Uncle Kage, Evelyn Klein, Lisa Lupe, Lufus the Raccoon, Netherlinks, Pandemonium, Petroff Neutrino, Buddy Good Boy, CC Otter, Chroma Hydra, David Hunter, Andy the Weather Fox, Ghost Goat, Grace Jane Gollinger, Head Fox and Jason Knight, John Michael Carden, Julie Esslinger, Just James Lack, Mark Whipple, Michael Blocker, Nikolai Red Fox, Romeo Rabbit, Scuba Fox, Sarah, and Tekel the Dragon show tiny voices william Kennard, and ziggy once again if you want to be one of those wonderful people you can do that over at patreon.com slash lawyers and liquor and before we get into the show it is time for our standard disclaimer please remember Boozy's Legal Funhouse is an informational, educational, and hopefully entertaining podcast about law, legal cases, and basic legal principles. I am an attorney. I am not your attorney. The way that I would become your attorney is you would have to locate where I work, come into that office, meet with me, have me agree to represent you in a legal matter that you have told me about, and pay me a retainer of my choosing. You don't just get to PayPal me a buck and say I'm your lawyer. If none of those things have occurred, then I am not your lawyer. No attorney-client privilege attaches, and none of this is legal advice. If you need legal advice, you need to go to an attorney licensed in your jurisdiction and do all of the things I just discussed above. Please, for the love of God, no matter what you do, do not go out there and say a fat man who pretends to be a cartoon badger on the internet told me this. It will not go over well in court. I have a question about your disclaimer. Yes. PayPaling you a dollar. That was a very specific example. Yes. Has that happened? Yes. God damn it. (laughs) Yes, it fucking has. And I refunded the dollar. Oh my God. Which actually. Go ahead, go ahead. It actually pissed me off because somebody said, I think they sent it as a joke, but on the line they put legal retainer. And I'm like, oh, no, we can't have that. So I refunded the dollar to them, and that pissed me off because you know what you pay when you refund things out from a business account like my PayPal account is? Oh, no. You pay the transfer costs. Oh, God. I contacted that person and told them they owed me 50 cents. (laughs) (laughs) Did they send it back to you? They did, actually. And they mailed it to me. (laughs) 
like it, an envelope came to came to my box from them. I went, what the fuck is this? Opened it up, and there were just two quarters in there and a note that said, sorry. Brilliant. Love <laughs> it. Absolutely love it. A few quick shout-outs on my side. Number one, a shout-out to Wolfia, a fan of both of our shows. It's their birthday today. Happy birthday, Wolfia. And, of course, if you enjoy the craziness happening here, you can find me over on Twitch.tv, Alkali, and Zanny. That's Zanny with an X. And, of course, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters over here, which we're not going to list because that takes far too long on a show that is not mine. Thank you so much, and back to the madness. So... Alkali, it has been a while. The last time we met, the last time we were here, we were talking about two Santas suing each other in Santa. That's right. And now it's a new year, and everything old is new again in the year of our Lord 2023. And that will be tonight's case. Tonight's case, once again, is going back to the standards of law school where I'm going to tell you a case that every single lawyer learns, this time in torts. Do you know what a tort is, Alkali? Uh, Yes, it is a kind of like a pie. You put uh, cream in it, usually kiwi and strawberry on the top, a nice little glaze, torch that shit, get a little bit of caramelization, and then the whipped cream. Okay, first of all, A, that's a tart, and B, I... Like, after hearing how you fix a tart, I would like one. <laughs> yeah, I make the fattest tarts, let's be honest. <laughs> and it's not... I've seen people use, like, oh, some custard cream? No, Chantilly, fuck you. I'm in. <laughs> I, just, I love that. Yeah, custard? No, fuck. <laughs> there's a, there's something with more sugar than custard? What? What? Hey, Which, hey. by the way, since you mentioned uh, Santas, I do need to let you know, because you said uh, I had a event. I went to a convention, I performed, and uh, I met with their lawyer. Uh, and he just, you know, just hanging out in operations, talking. And he asked me a few legal questions. Because obviously, I'm an expert. Because I'm on Boozy's Legal Funhouse. So when he asked me about local state tax law, I explained Santa to him. I don't know if it helped, but I was able to explain Santa to him. You know what? To everybody listening out there on your podcast service choice, this is the new game. First, I need you to go to twitch.tv slash AlkalineZanny so you can know what this goofy motherfucker looks like. Uh, Then, if you see him. At a convention, at a comedy club. Shit, if you're in the Chicagoland area and you see him at the fucking grocery, walk up and start asking him legal questions. Don't even confirm it's him. Just walk up, look at him, and ask him questions about law. Obviously, this is the same as getting a law school education. Okay, hold on. If it does, even if it doesn't, even if it's not him, Boozy, I am six foot eight. If you are mistaking me for another person, I am confused and horrified. Also, I'd like to meet them. There's a skit I'd like to do. <laughs> what? What's the skit? The fourteen foot doctor? You just got to stand on each other's shoulders in a lab coat like they did in Scrubs. Exactly, and that's going to be great on my back. Can't wait. <laughs> 
to go back to what started this, a tort is the fancy legal term for a personal injury action. It's a personal injury lawsuit. It's, it's you have injured okay. something, either somebody's person or their property. Okay. There's different areas of law. There, there's tort law. There's contract law. There's property law. There's tort law. That's the solicitation and prostitution. Um, there's, there's all. It's called law. tort law. Prostitution, dude, dude. Your law is not woke at all. That's not cool law. <laughs> it's, it's not actually called tort law. That's criminal law. Uh, sex work is real work. Hashtag. Um, I just, I verbally hashtagged. I'm a boomer now. Anyways, these things happen. (laughs) Anyways, tonight's case is going to be an exploration of tort law that every lawyer knows about. It's actually an amazingly well-known case. I'm going to tell you how well-known as we get in, but before we get to that, what is it time for? As always, it's time for the legal news. Yay. So coming from the ABA Journal, because I cribbed all of my notes from them, uh, a judge in New York has resigned. Why Why is it news that Judge Harriet L. Thompson, age 67, has resigned from the bench? Well, because... I got this one. I got this one, Harriet L. Thompson. He thought his name was uh, Harriet L. Tubman. Didn't go well. Said a few things on the stand. Had to get out of there. Nailed it. Figured it out. Uh, Well, first of all, it's a she. Well, then this was okay. Secondly, I am very concerned by how fucking close you are to what actually happened. I'm more concerned. The universe usually doesn't do that for me. like, Like when you said... Uh, said a few things on the bench and did not go well. So they had to get out of there. I'm going, really? Are you getting the same fucking newsletters that I use to choose these cases? Because that's exactly what happened. Judge Harriet L. Thompson of New York has resigned from the bench after being accused of making homophobic and racist remarks on the bench. Both of them. Wow. Hey, double header. Okay. She she was known for such legal acumen as saying, being gay is an abomination to mankind. A judge on the bench was saying that. Yes. From the bench. Yes. (laughs) What the fuck? Uh, She also allegedly said uh, that Hispanic people, I love, I love Hispanic people, but allegedly said Hispanic people are, uh, Folks with a deceitful trait that goes back to biblical times. Holy shit. What state is this from? New York. New York. What is going on? Don't you have to get elected to a judge spot or do you get assigned at that level? Uh, you, You get elected. That's what I thought. Vote better, New York. Giuliani and now this? The fuck? So she was one of two surrogate court... I mean, like, you're, you're listening to this, right? And uh, I'm guessing you're assuming, like, this is upstate New York. This is rural New York, right? No, towards Vermont or so. Yeah, well, where... Brooklyn. Oh, dear God. This was Brooklyn. Brooklyn. This is Brooklyn. This is Brooklyn. 
How long did she have this job before we were like, hey, you know what? No, this is, we're in 2023 now. Stop it. Yeah, she um, she actually, she was one of their two surrogate court judges, uh, which handles wills, trusts, guardianships, adoptions, because that's the person I want hearing adoptions. The person who which, says that being yeah. gay is an abomination and Hispanics are biblically deceitful. Um, that's... <laughs> She was suspended without uh, with pay in December of 2021. Uh, however, last month, a uh, a judge said, "Well, the court didn't actually have the authority to suspend her." What? Yeah. Is there some rule that if you're on the bench, you can say whatever you want? Because I have that rule too in my bedroom, and we're going to stop that line of questioning there. Uh, let's see. She she has alleged that the administrator only ha- uh, some of the allegations against Thompson stemmed from her dispute with the public administrator who handled the estates of deceased people before her court. She alleged she discriminated against black employees and refused to hear matters if the administrator uh, was personally working on them. She also alleged the administrator only hired young white men for temporary jobs. Uh, administrator said the allegations weren't true. Thompson made them because he was gay. An investigation found Thompson's allegations to be unsubstantiated. Uh, So there was actually an ethics case that was filed uh, that was scheduled for next week. Okay. Uh, She resigned before that. Okay. All right. Well, Uh, as long as she's gone, I guess. Why do you think she resigned? Because she didn't want her day in court, because it doesn't sound like she'd be able to keep her stupid mouth shut. Health reasons. She resigned for health reasons. Health reasons. Health reasons. Health re- Oh, she went to the gay gangbang, and now she can't walk right. All right, yeah, I know how those go. Uh, I mean, it's that is it. Health reasons. Uh, that's actually a way, because you know what happens if you uh, get removed from the bench by the ethics panel? Oh, do you lose your... Uh, you lose your pension. Uh, you lose your pension. Right. You lose your benefits. Resigning is a way to keep your benefits. Fuck me. Fuck me. So, so that, that is Judge Thompson of the Brooklyn Court. Uh, who, uh, you know... <sighs> I hope she chokes on her government-sponsored filet mignon. <laughs> now, if we get on a flight... From New York, we can go out to uh, Denver, Colorado. Have you ever been to Denver? Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful beautiful area. Beautiful area. And the lawyers in Denver are some of the best in the world, uh, I would assume, except for maybe this guy, uh, Devin Michael Barkley. (laughs) Devin Michael Michael Barkley uh, has been suspended from practicing before the United States Bankruptcy Court in Colorado. A bankruptcy lawyer. Isn't that just numbers? That Out of all the lawyers I've heard, that sounds like the most math-laden one. Mr. Barkley, U.S. bankruptcy judge Thomas B. McNamara has suspended Mr. Barkley from practicing before the bankruptcy bar for three years as a sanction for egregious lawyer misconduct. Uh, that included. What do you think it included? What? 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 G- just tell me what you think, Mr. Barkley did that was so bad. A U.S. bankruptcy judge 
said, Bank- you can't practice in front of us anymore. Bankruptcy lawyer that screwed up bankruptcies. All right. He was basically taking all of their assets, putting it under his names. Like, yeah, you didn't own anything. We're good. And now he owns 30 houses. No. Damn. No. Because right. I was about to become a bankruptcy attorney. So, so the bankruptcy court is administered by the bankruptcy judges who are appointed by the U.S. district judges who are appointed by the Congress. Okay. Okay. But in the bankruptcy system, there's somebody called the bankruptcy trustee. All right. Okay. The bankruptcy trustee is technically an employee of the Department of Justice who oversees the administration of the bankruptcy case. All right. Like if if you're in a Chapter 7 and you have significant assets that could be used for some of your unsecured creditors, and the trustee goes, I'm going to sell those assets. The trustee gathers the assets, sells the assets, pays out the money to the creditors, all that. In a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, uh, reorganization bankruptcy, I used to call them payment plan bankruptcies, where nothing's being sold, the bankruptcy trustee is the one who says, okay, is your plan feasible or not? Right? Okay. And they, you got to get documents to the trustee. You got to get pay stubs. You got to get tax returns. You got to send out uh, your bank account statements, all that, so they can oversee it, make sure you're not filing fraudulently, all that. And sometimes. Was this guy making that paperwork for his clients? No. No, it. Um, he was trying to get cases dismissed because he did not like the bankruptcy trustee that was assigned to them. What? He would tell his clients, don't attend the meetings with the trustee. Don't make your filing fee payments. Uh, don't hand over the tax returns to the trustee. To try to get the trustee to dismiss the case, telling clients that the trustee was greedy, corrupt, and would make their life hell and sell their house. What the fuck? What was his end game? Well, if the case gets dismissed, right, and it's not dismissed for bad faith, and it it could be refiled. And depending, like, all right, where I am, we have one Chapter 13 trustee. That one office for each region will oversee every Chapter 13 filing. But Chapter 7 trustees, a Chapter 7 trustee, like, in the, the division of the district that I live in, we have two Chapter 7 trustees, and which one gets your case is kind of luck of the fucking draw. It depends on when you file and they assign the trustee, right? Uh, and you go up to Philly, and they may have like eight Chapter 7 trustees. He and was trying to delay the whole thing. He was trying to get them dismissed so he could refile and try to get a new trustee. What do you think this trustee would just like, oh, they didn't show up again. Vacation. The thing is, is they'll do that. The trustees will do that. Like the trustees will be like, they didn't show up to their meetings. They haven't submitted it. I'm asking the case be dismissed. Holy shit. So all of this guy's clients were trying to say, oh my God. It wasn't even the clients. It was him telling them to do it. Oh my God. The court, Judge McNamara, referred to it as bizarre gamesmanship. You know, usually I have a lot of respect for bizarre gamesmanship, but normally those plans are more than, yeah, don't talk. What? Just stay really quiet. Trust me, they won't notice you at all. (laughs) Now, 
Now, but the tax returns, the, uh, the don't give tax returns, don't pay your filing fees, don't show up to your means. Those aren't the ones that really stick out. What do you think Mr. Barkley allegedly did uh, that really stuck out? Uh, okay. He would scan their driver's license uh, backwards so that they could never be found. Bad scanning. Bad scanning to even file the initial report so no one has any idea who anyone is. Nailed it. He tried to be the typhoid Mary of law. What? This is a direct quote from Judge McNamara's opinion. Bizarrely, this is what Mr. Barkley advised his clients to do. If either of you have COVID or some other highly infectious, nasty disease, or if you know someone who does... Please make no. sure they lick the envelope and handle it as much as possible before providing it to the trustee. Holy shit. Dude, okay, I never thought lawyers would go like, you know, we need now biological warfare. Uh, yeah, now on a lesser front, McNamara did state you know, he failed to communicate with his clients. He provided incompetent legal services. Always nice to see in a judicial opinion. <laughs> but, but in this case, it may be the lesser. You know, he tried to kill the trustee with COVID. Also, he's a bad lawyer. Uh, <laughs> I like the also. Nice ad. Nice ad. McNamara referred to Barkley as an affront to the administration of justice and highly detrimental to the debtors. Jesus. That goes above and beyond. What, what What? was he trying to do? Get him sick so he's just like, well, to catch up, I better dismiss the next 100 cases. If, if, if this guy dies, I don't have to have any more cases in front of him. You know, they just rehire the job. <laughs> they just, just, it's, God damn it. Now, Barkley did respond. Uh, he was actually, he was ordered by the bankruptcy court to turn the opinion over to the ethics panel for Colorado, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, he's not going to show up, and he's going to give them COVID. Now, now Barkley did respond. Uh, he told the Denver Post that he thinks he was actually suspended because of a personal vendetta and a past investigation he conducted into the corruption of the bankruptcy courts and the Department of Justice's U.S. trustee program. Uh, he said, "It's a shame I ran out of the resources to defend a lot of the allegations, uh, but the intense the pleadings were intense and wordy because they were driven." more by a desire to shut me up dude those lack of resources is him referring to smallpox run run while you still can (laughs) and finally finally this one is in the wonderful world of car insurance oh joy of joys geico yeah the 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 uh website with the gecko oh yeah yeah uh, are you familiar? Let me ask, what do people do in cars? Uh, drive and text, because I'm from Chicago. And what do people do in the backseat of cars? Fuck. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so in Missouri. A, that a, wasn't the answer that you should have been looking for. <laughs> that was a joke. That was humor. God damn it. In Missouri, a lady by the name of M.O. and a gentleman by the name of M.B. met each other and briefly fell in love in the back seat of his car. 
What kind of car? I, I, you know what? I'm sure it's in the actual opinion, but I don't have it right. It's a Volvo, so like, fucking it's bad. Right a, now. No, it's a Volvo. Um, well, that nailed it. Uh, yeah, that 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 famous car manufacturer, Volvo. Um, they met, they fell in love briefly in December of 2017 in Jackson County, Missouri. Uh, he apparently had a uh, throat cancer tumor at the time that uh, that would later be determined to be a result of HPV, the human Pamplona virus. Oh, God. He knew about that at the time, but did not tell her, hey, I have HPV. M.O. got HPV. All right. Oh, no. So what did she do? She sued him. Yay. She sued him. And uh, as part of suing him, uh, they basically said, hey, Geico, you're his car insurer. You should pay a million dollars, which was the policy limit, uh, for for this, for what happened here. And Geico looked at it and said, wait a second, you want us to, uh, to pay you a million dollars for contracting HPV in the backseat of the car of Orange Short. Oh my God. Paradise by a dashboard light. Keep it up, baby. Keep it. What? What? The hell? Geico said no, obviously, and said the policy doesn't provide any coverage because the damages that were claimed weren't from the normal use of the vehicle, which is all the, the policy covered. Please tell me her case is fucking in the backseat of a car is the normal use for a Volvo. That is exactly her case. I'm so happy. Yes. It gets even better. No. M.O. and M.B. agreed to submit the case to arbitration rather than go to trial. Okay. And when they notified Geico of the claim, Geico did not intervene, did not get involved in the lawsuit, just said, we're not going to get involved. We don't cover it. All right? Okay. Before they went to arbitration, M.O. and M.B. entered into an agreement that said any award would be paid by Geico. Wait, you can just do that? After... She was awarded $5.2 million at arbitration. She she told Geico about the agreement and filed the filed the arbitration award as a judgment of the court. Uh which Geico discovered because they were monitoring it, and then Geico filed what's called a motion to intervene, saying hey, uh, we have an interest in this case and we weren't given the chance to be heard at arbitration. Therefore, you should vacate the judgment and everything should should hit a reset button so we can be involved. The judge at the trial court said, said, what do you think? You had your opportunity. You You knew this was happening. You knew there was an arbitration. You should have intervened at that point 
to specifically get a judgment saying that you are not responsible for the damages under your contract exclusion, refused to let GEICO intervene. GEICO appealed to the Missouri Courts of Appeal, which said... You had your opportunity. You had your opportunity because the arbitrators, and you're going to love this, agreed with what you said earlier... Fucking in a car is a normal use of the vehicle for which Geico should be held responsible under their insurance policy. What state is this? Missouri. I'm moving, baby. Yeah, these policies are... Go- oh, man, all-inclusive coverage. Well, I'm all-inclusively covering. Don't move too fast because this oh. recently went up in front of the Missouri State Supreme Court... And on the procedural limit said there is a Missouri law that requires you to uh, to notify us and give us the right to intervene in a pending lawsuit uh, within 30 days of receiving notice that you have an agreement. Uh, you sent that notice after the arbitration. Therefore, we should be allowed to vacate the verdict and intervene in the matter. Uh, the state Supreme Court said, nope, that's right, based on that. Uh, the case should be vacated. The judgment should be vacated. Uh, the case must be remanded back. Geico must be given the opportunity to intervene. Um, in a separate federal case, however, Geico is now asking for a uh, declaratory judgment from the federal court saying that its policy doesn't cover the injuries because, uh, obviously, according to them, fucking in the back seat of a car. Uh, is not a normal use of the vehicle. So I just want to let you know, just just for your, and this is still pending, by the way, in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Missouri, right now a federal judge is considering whether or not car fucking is a normal use of a car such that injuries derived from the same are covered by your car insurance. God bless America. And if that happens... We all know one thing. Every single car insurance company is going to add a specific exclusion for fucking in the car. And I can't wait to highlight that in every one of my policies. I mean, this is, by the way, this is how these exclusions happen. If somebody gets sued and then the the insurer says, no, that doesn't apply, uh, the next portion would be, well, yeah, it does. And the insurer comes back and says, okay, well, we're just going to go ahead and put that in the policy. Like, yo, know, uh, our car insurance policy doesn't cover somebody playing a flaming guitar on the hood flying off. Why is that in there? Because somebody played a flaming guitar on the hood of the vehicle and somehow it got determined to be covered by the insurance. Well, this is a little before your time. Do you did you ever get a chance to see the Anthrocon uh, rules and regulations back from like 2010 through 2011? No, I did not. Anthrocon, for listeners who may not be aware, is a the the second. It's either the first or the second largest furry convention in the world. Yep, yep. And for years, they had one of the claws of props. You know, like my top hat. Uh, your cane to a lesser degree because you use that. You know, I just throw my top yeah. at it, people. Yeah, that, that's not you a prop. That's a that's a that's medical equipment. It's not a prop. Uh, excuse me. 
You are a Southern lawyer. You having a cane stand. That is a prop, motherfucker. I just, I just love it. Your cane, you know, the prop that you totally don't need, man. You know, you don't have a severe hip injury or anything. It's not necessary. Nothing like that. Uh, well, I've watched you use that cane better than I use a microphone. Screw you. It's a prop, too. So they had a clause for years that every year would get a little bit longer of the things they were banning as far as props. And it was two paragraphs of weapons. And that culminated, that culminated in 2000, I want to say 12, I could be off on the year, when somebody noticed something was missing. And a gentleman came to the convention with a decommissioned, it did not work, but full-fledged, used to be in working condition, condition, RPG. You don't mean like Dungeons and Dragons, right? I do not. A rocket-propelled grenade launcher that he walked around the convention with, and that's the year they got a lawyer to redesign that clause to basically say no. I mean, yes, that's the appropriate response. Once somebody goes like, you know, I never thought of an RPG. All right, let's get a lawyer. That's that's where you draw the line. Rocket-propelled grenades. And you know, the sad thing is, just knowing how people are, somebody went through that list line by line to find the fucking loophole specifically. To, like they didn't it's not like i have an rpg i want to bring the anthrocon it's like anthrocon technically allows me to bring an rpg i'm buying one so you are exactly right about a tenth of the lines in that clause were made because of this gentleman and his children yes oh i know Every who you're talking about you you said yes, you his, his name about. and his children and now i know exactly who you're fucking talking about Somebody yep. stole his t-shirts one year. <laughs> yes. For listeners, these are in-jokes. If you want to get them, join the furry fandom. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. God damn. So tonight's case, I should tell you about tonight's case. Known the world over as the hairy hand. I'm already loving this. I th- I thought for years because of advice from my parents that I would eventually be that. They were lying. It, that is, I shit you not, that is the exact joke we all make when we hear <laughs> this case. It is a tort case. It is from 1929, the Supreme Court of New Hampshire. The legal site for anybody interested in that sort of shit is 146A641 NH 1929, or as is known by every lawyer in existence, because we all have to fucking read it. It is one of the first cases you read in law school, Hawkins v. McGee. Okay. Oh, well, that's cool. I I do like these these law cases that are like, all right, this was taught in school, so this should be straightforward and logical. Break my brain, friend. Break my brain, brain friend, it, Esquire. It, it is very straightforward and logical. I'll just I'll read the first couple sentences of the case before I go into my own words, uh, so that you can see just how straightforward the Supreme Court of New Hampshire was about this. <clears throat> okay. Whether words spoken may properly be found by the jury to have had a contractual import is a preliminary question of law for the trial court. 
and a subsidy against a physician on a parole guarantee in the following words, I will guarantee to make the hand a 100% perfect hand or a 100% good hand, evidence that the defendant repeatedly solicited an opportunity to perform an operation of skin grafting justified an inference that the defendant sought an opportunity to experiment and intended his words to be accepted at the face value as an inducement for giving consent to the operation, and the question whether the words spoken amounted to a warranty was properly submitted to the jury. Did this guy do a skin graft on somebody's hand, fucked it up? The guy said, hey, you said this would be 100% perfect. And the other guy said, 100% could mean a lot of things. What if it's on a 200% scale? It is fucking exactly that. Son of a bitch! <laughs> but it wasn't a guy. They, they weren't. This doctor was not performing an operation on a guy. Okay. He was performing an operation, an experimental operation, on an 11-year-old boy. Holy shit. An 11-year-old boy in 1929, or slightly before, was assisting in, uh, in having his house wired up to that newfangled electricity. Oh, no. And as we all know, safety standards for electrical devices in that day and age, were exceedingly safe. I don't know why you're limiting that to the in that day and age. My father is an electrician, licensed and bonded. Have I ever told you how he taught me to look for a hot wire? No. Lick your fingertips, make sure the wire's exposed, and go as fast as you can. If it feels like you swatted a wire, you're fine. If it feels like your body tensed up for a second, that's hot wire. That is not how you test a wire! Thanks, Dad. I was standing in water once. So at 11, he's helping the house. He's helping them wire up the house. He touches an electric wire, uh, and he gets a severe burn across his right hand. A very severe burn with a lot of scar tissue. Alright? So nine years later, they go to see Dr. McGee. Alright? And Dr. McGee says, I can make a good hand out of that. I can can do this new thing called a skin graft. I can take good skin from one part of his body and I can put it over the pan over the palm of this kid's hand, and it will heal, and he won't have this horrendous scarring on his right hand anymore. Okay. Dad says, you know, how long will he be in the hospital? The doctor says, three or four days, not over four, then the boy can go home. It will just be a few days when he'll be able to go back to work with a perfect hand. Really? In the 20s? In In the 20s. Huh. Okay. All right. All right. I don't like this at all. Did so, this kid end up with three hands? No, he did not. No, he did One not. Hand. He, he the, the plaintiff says that the doctor uh, repeatedly said before the uh, operation, I will guarantee to make the hand a 100% perfect hand or a 100% good hand. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh so God. the operation's performed. The skin is grafted. They take a skin graft from the boy's chest and they put it on the palm of his hand. Okay. It seems to go okay, right? 
Okay. Right? Seem, seems to go okay. Uh, and then the boy's palm starts growing hair. Oh, no. Oh, God, this is still the time of witchcraft and old sayings, so they definitely knew that he was jerking it. They, they definitely, yeah, they definitely were uh, were aware of onanism at that point in time. <laughs> like, they, they definitely, there's no question that this is a social stigma. Because, like, it's me, and I'm like, oh, my hand doesn't look really permanent, but it's got some hair. Well, I've got a fucking Gillette. We're good. Um... <laughs> You know, I really want to know, was that sta- saying as prominent, the Harry Palm thing? Because oh, this yeah. poor kid probably had to go to school, and he was either really ostracized or insanely popular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there, there was, that was a thing. Like, there's there's legal examinations of this case. This is an old case. Everybody knows it. Everybody's written something that includes Hawkins v. McGee at some point. All right? Awesome. Uh and there is actually, I'd found one that was an examination of the social stigmas underpinning the decision in Hawkins v. McGee that explicitly was like, you know, there was the superstition in Old Wife's Tale about if you play with it, your hand will get... We're talking about masturbation, everyone. Just, just oh, like, oh, oh. Like, like... Like I used the word onanism, and then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should just be clear. We're talking about jerking off. Uh, there, there's oh, there old, we go. There, there was an old saying of, if you play with your dick, you'll go hair on your palms. Ah, the old five-finger date got me through so many years of school. <laughs> that explains why you prefer the feel of a beard on your balls now. Uh, anyways. You leave my balls out of this. The the case was really about first it, you know should this have should this question have even been submitted to the jury uh, as to what was the appropriate measure of damages or should it have been decided as a um, as a question of law and they their whole case was he guaranteed a good hand he didn't have a lot of experience with it he really just wanted to experiment with skin grafts uh, the jury agreed. The jury said that's a guarantee. If you guarantee a 100% good outcome and you don't have a 100% good outcome, yeah, uh, yeah that you've broken the guarantee. Uh, the jury then said, hey, you're going to love this. Um, <laughs> what is the value of a perfect hand? I, we manipulate a lot of our environment with our hands. So I'd put that up, I don't know, in 1920s terms, $20, so about a million? $500. Yeah. $500 in nineteen twenty money? Yeah, it was $500, and the whole appeal was really based on the idea that the jury shouldn't have done that. There's... In contract law, especially, we have things called the measure of damages. What is the measure of damage? How do you determine uh, what amount of money should be paid? A big one is uh, you know restitution. Really, you know, put put them in the same position that they were in before they ever entered into the contract with you. If they paid okay. you a hundred dollars for the operation, give them their fucking hundred dollars back. Okay. Okay. There's repair damages. You know, what did it cost 
for me to get the thing I expected. You know, if I make a contract for a roof, for a brand new roof, and I give you $1,000 for a brand new roof, and you fuck my roof up, and it costs me $2,000 to have somebody come in and put it in the condition that you promised it would be in, then I should get that $2,000. Yeah, you you should have to pay me two thousand dollars. I gave you a thousand dollars. You need to pay me what pay me what it actually costs to get the thing that I asked for. Yeah, all right. Those are two really basic damages measures, and they're easily measured. You know, Absolutely. what did I give you? Either restore me to the position I was in before I fucking met you, financially at least, or. Pay me what I had to pay out to fix your fuck up. Makes sense. All right. That makes sense. But what if you can never really be put back in that position? Like, what if instead of it's like a hundred bucks, here's your hundred dollars back. What if it's something that they can't just go in and put you back in the exact same position you were in at the beginning? Well, then it's got to be a cumulative cost for the long term. It's yeah, got to be yeah. a lifetime. Well, maybe not a lifetime, but but at least, you know, okay, the repair then. Okay, I can't put you back in. Lawyers argue about this. What's the appropriate measure of damage? You know, somebody else could do this. They weren't really injured. What they're really entitled to is what they've paid. All right? And the the rule of thumb is the defense always wants the lowest measure of damages. The plaintiff always wants the highest measure of damages. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, so in that case, maybe the plaintiff says, okay, well, what really is appropriate is the repair damages. The the one that puts me in the same position I expect it to be in, that, that I would have been in. The, the day, what I had to pay out to fix your fuck up. Right. Okay. <clears throat> But what if the fuck-up's not that easily fixed? Well, that's got to be included into the into the payout then. But how? It, uh, how? We, we, have, we have two measures of damages. Put me back in the same position I was before I met you. Well, Dr. McGee can't go back in without substantial pain. Take off that hairy palm, put the burn right. palm back in, and just give them the money back. That's not feasible. It's not reasonable. So we know that's out. So if he's got to live with this, so there's no changing it, that sounds like, again, I go back to you owe him for the rest of what a natural 1920s life, so 30 years old. But how do you do that? What's what's the real basis of damages there? You know, you got to have a hairy palm into adulthood. What, they don't have dice? You can just roll some dice. Think of it this way. What if you buy a hairless cat? Now you got a hairy palm. That cat's going to be confused as fuck when you pet it. And isn't that really taken into account as to what you thought you were getting when you paid? What's the value of what you thought you got? What's the value of what you got? And what's the difference between the two? Holy shit. That is the concept of expectation damages. It can't be easily fixed. I can't really restore you. So my measure of damages should be the difference between what I actually got and what I expected to get. 
So you expected to get a nice usable palm, and instead you got something that you are shaving and is going to scratch anyone you jerk off. Right. What is what is the difference in value between a hairy palm and a perfectly good hand? Now you also have to add in the 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 the, the mental costs of a because you yeah, said eleven years old, no. right? This is a contract. No. You don't get those types of damages for contracts. Really? You get that in tort. Now, there's some contracts where they'll allow for that. But uh, what you're talking about is, is kind of a form of special damages, pain and suffering, mental anguish, all that stuff. You don't tend to get those in contract actions. Those are almost exclusively limited to tort actions. And this, once again, even though I said tort at the beginning, was a contract action. So even though this is now an 11-year-old kid going to school with an old saying on his hand that's getting everyone to point at him and go, you jerk off in the 1920s, which even, oh, God, oh, my God. Wouldn't that be figured in, though, to the valuation of a perfectly good hand? Oh, shit. Right? So that's, that's part of the value of a good hand, right? Yeah. So that's the court in this. The New Hampshire Supreme Court said, yeah, no, that's a good measure of damages. Because that was the argument. The argument wasn't, first the argument was, well, that's not really a guarantee. And the court said, no, it is. Um, Second, it was the jury should not have been allowed. The question of damages shouldn't have been submitted to the jury on this because really the question of damages should have been either putting him back in the same position that he was in before he went to Dr. McGee uh, versus what would it take to repair it on it. <clears throat> when the Supreme Court in New Hampshire said, no, we're going to allow that. And why? Because we're going to allow the jury to determine the relative value of a hairy hand versus a perfectly good hand, which is what was guaranteed. Oh, man. And they gave $500. So I looked it up. That's 7400 in today's money. That's what they came up with for an 11-year-old with a hairy pole. Yeah, that's, that's the difference in value. Your, hand, your hands were $7,400, man. Fuck me. Yeah, I love it. It, it, it actually, just to, just to put this in here, uh, when you go through, and this is a good case on a lot of stuff with this, such as pain and anguish and this, that, but <clears throat> this is a quote from the decision. The present case is closely analogous to one in which a machine is built for a certain purpose and warranted to do certain work. In such cases, the usual rule of damages for breach of warranty and the sale of chattels, which is just legal for property, is applied. And it is held that the measure of damages is the difference between the value of the machine if it had corresponded with the warranty and its actual value, together with such incidental losses as the parties knew or ought to have known would probably result from a failure to comply with its terms. As a general rule, the measure of the vendee's damages is the difference between the value of goods as they would have been and the actual value at the time of sale. Son of, here's the thing, though. This doctor should have been able to afford anything because, in my mind, that should be the richest doctor on the planet. He just grafted skin onto a hand and got hair to grow. Right now, the hair growth industry numbers in the billions. He solved the problem in the 20s? How are we not talking about this? The, the best part is you're talking about mental pain, mental suffering, and the court addressed that. 
Really? Yeah. For $7,400 on an 11-year-old kid going to school with hairy palms that he definitely, as an 11-year-old kid, braided. The, the court said just very bluntly, the extent of the plaintiff's suffering does not measure this difference in value. They do not remember what it's like to be an 11-year-old boy. Understood. Yeah. Uh, it was also erroneous and misleading to submit to the jury as a separate element, element of damage any change for the worse in the condition of the plaintiff's hand resulting from the operation, although this error is probably more prejudicial to the plaintiff than to the defendant. Any ill effect of the operation would be included under the true rule of damages set forth above, but damages might be properly assessed for the defendant's failure to improve the condition of the hand, even if there were no evidence that its condition was made worse. Jesus. That poor kid. That poor kid. Holy crap. I can't get over this one. And I see what you're saying now. Like, yeah, how do you measure this? Oh, my God. Now, I should say, because you said uh, the $7,400, right? Um, I mean, the... The issue is um, the $500. Yeah. Because the damages, the question of damages submitted to the jury, it wasn't erroneous to submit the question to the jury to say you need to determine the difference between this hand and that hand. Uh, It was erroneous for the plaintiff to include anything about their pain and suffering. Come on. And that the jury should not have considered that, which they did initially. That's really messed up. So it was remanded for a new trial. Oh. Then what? What, did they give him $20 and a hairy pad on the back? No fucking clue. This poor kid's going to be combing over his hand just to make sure that it all looks the same. No fucking clue what happened there. Which is weird that you don't have any real clue. I mean, like, you you hear about it, I mean, from a functionality standpoint uh yeah the court does say you know loss of function you know you shouldn't be considering loss of function from the operation separately that's part of expectation damages you know okay you can't really consider pain and suffering uh you you just gotta look at because and i misstated the case a little bit which is um the jury had considered like all these other things but they weren't supposed to, but they weren't according supposed to the higher court. Uh, and the higher court came back. And the, but the reason this is a leading case on expectation damage is it's the higher court saying, no, you can't consider any of that shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this, this is you know, what is the value of a good hand versus what you got uh, uh, of a good hand, which is what you expected, versus a hairy hand, which is what you got, the present condition of your hand. Uh, that's oh. your measure of damages. But the court did say... Yeah, they, they can't consider evidence that the operation made things worse because that's including the measure of damages. What'd you end up with versus what you expected to end up with? So if it was a worse hand, like functionally worse hand, like, I don't know, maybe you like the feel of hair on your dick. Uh, 
But um, Look, that that aside, this family's going to be spending so much money now on hand soap and shampoo to put next to their sinks for washing. This is horrible because you got to keep it smooth. You, yeah, you yeah. can't. You can't be walking around with pubes on your hand. You got to straighten that shit out. Fucking home it every day, a hundred strokes, Hawkins, and hopefully a hundred more strokes. Hawkins, the only kid who has to lather, rinse, and repeat his own hand. That's right, that poor child. Oh, oh my god. But but the court went in and said, yeah, that that would be part of it as to what you got. So you can't really consider that it made it worse. God. Somebody just says, can't you shave it? Have you ever shaved and then a half an hour later rubbed your beard against things? No, that is stubbly, that is painful, that hand is not usable for what nature intended hands to be for. That's the rosy palm and it's non-hairy five friends. So that's expectation damages. And Hawkins v. McGee is the leading case on the question of expectation damages. It's the one that everyone learns in law school. And this is actually a really good highlight of why they teach these cases in law school and how they choose these cases. There are cases that are written that, that exemplify some basic legal principle a lawyer needs to know. All right? But they're also aware that you don't really want to pay attention and read the case. So they try to choose cases sometimes that are just fucking weird enough to get you. I appreciate that. Like the got some entertainers writing your uh, handbooks. Well done. Like you heard me last time when I was saying, I don't know why this case isn't in a law school case book and reading through it. It's because you got to read some of the background to get it. But my God, it, there were so many, you know, Santa Claus suing Santa Claus. The case of the hairy hand, George A. Hawkins and his hairy hand. I wonder whatever happened, because uh, the kid's name was George A. Hawkins, by the way. I wonder whatever happened to him. Well, I think we all know uh, uh, circus work. Uh, the, the, the bearded lady, he would just be on her back like a backpack, put his hand over her mouth, nailed it. So uh, what what do you think happened at the end of the day here? I think this this poor child went home and cried a lot, but I pr- probably it moved up to a higher court and he got the proper compensation. What, what court do you think is higher than the Supreme Court of the state? Supreme Court of the United States. That's not how this works. We're going to have to have an entire fucking episode where I explain to you how this works. Because unless it's a federal law issue, you can't appeal a decision of the state Supreme Court for a purely state matter to SCOTUS. Earlier in this episode, you told me that insurance companies can put clauses to stop flaming guitars and backseat shenanigans. That's the different. U.S. Supreme Court couldn't put no Harry Palms. Come on, guys. That's, Come on. that's different. That case, the Geico case, is in front of the uh, Western District of Missouri, the federal court there, but it is likely on that because Geico is not based in Missouri. <laughs> nice. There's something called diversity jurisdiction. We'll cover covered in an episode. But Love there's it. something called diversity jurisdiction that gives the federal courts jurisdictions jurisdiction to decide state law claims raised between uh two citizens of different states in certain cases. 
Oh my god. I I do enjoy the rules of your trade because I have a feeling somewhere out there somebody has dumbed this down into a D&D style manual and on page 97 there's just a picture of a hairy palm. It's called the behold hair. This is uh, it a behold hair. Fuck you. Uh B <laughs> B yes that exists. We call them nutshells. Nutshells? I call something else that. There, there is, uh, we, we call them nutshells. They're little basically pocketbooks that collect a bunch of legal principles for specific areas of law. That, see, that's great. Now they just need some artists to draw in some monsters. We got this, man. So uh, the kid did get compensation, by the way. Good. Yeah, we, oh, we, God. I'm not sure how much, but I know he did get compensation. I know this. Because Dr. McGee sued his insurance company in the United States District Court. (laughs) Because the insurance company, his malpractice insurer, refused to pay the damages. Because it was an experimental thing, I assume? I I don't know. I'll have to look at the case on that. And if somebody ever wants to look it up, I haven't. Is McGee v. United States Fidelity and Guarantee Company... 53 F2D 953 in the First Circuit 1931 decision date. Uh, But he he apparently he lost. Like the kid got something. uh, And it was enough that McGee insisted his insurer pay for it. And then his insurer said, fuck you. And he ended up suing his insurer for them to pay for the malpractice he had committed in giving George Hawkins a, uh, a hairy palm. And you talk about the psychological effect it must have had on that young boy. But I want to remind you uh, that for decades, generations of attorneys have learned this case. Generations of lawyers are very aware of George A. Hawkins and his awkward youth with the hairiest of palms. Okay? Oh, my God. In fact, not only do generations of lawyers know about it, um, let me ask a question. Have you ever heard of the movie The Paper Chase? I have not heard of The Paper Chase. The Paper Chase is a famous movie uh, from the 70s. Uh, okay. It's 1973. It's all about a first-year law student at Harvard Law. And the entire premise of the movie is the stresses that law students go under. And there's one professor, Professor Kingsley, in the movie, who uh, teaches contracts, in, or Kingsfield in the movie, he teaches contracts and he is just determined to be the hardest professor. He is the antagonist of the movie. And it was a very popular movie. Uh, I've seen it several times. You should actually watch it at some point. Oh, we'll have a movie night. Um, And at the time that that was made, every Harvard Law contract class actually started with one specific case. Not this one. Hawkins v. McGee. It's in the movie? It's in the movie. 
Oh, my. So you're saying somewhere out there is an 80-year-old guy staring at his braided palm watching this movie going, well, where's my cut? It's funny you should mention that. No. In 1964, Boston University School of Law admitted a, a new student by the name of Gail Hawkins. Come on. She was a member of the Hawkins family from New Hampshire. Holy shit! And on her first day of contracts, she walked in, and they learned the case about how I think it, I think George was her uncle, but her uncle George had been famous since the thirties amongst lawyers. That t- please tell me she got an automatic A. And that was the first time the Hawkins family was aware that this case had been taught to lawyers for over 30 years. Are you shitting me? And uh, and you know how they found out that good old Uncle George was uh, was exposed to the nation as the hairy palm guy, the hairy hand? Edith Hawkins, Gail's mother, <laughs> went oh to go see The Paper Chase in 1973 when it was released in the theaters. Holy shit. Oh, I wish I was in the theater that day. I wish I was there. Oh, my God. Oh, somebody looked it up. We've got it. What happened to he George? Was Settled for fourteen hundred. So with the calculator, twenty point eight thousand. Settled for twenty thousand eight hundred. So it sounds like sounds like the Supreme Court sent him back a, a favor on that one. Well, they owe him for being in all their damn classes. <laughs> I, I just love that. I just love that game. And the, the ending of it is the best part. Which is, uh, you know, you, that had to be so embarrassing in school. Oh, no, it's embarrassing into eternity, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, my God. I was at the theater, and you were in a movie. I was. Well, your hand. Yeah. They they mentioned it obliquely. If you call me cousin it one more time. <laughs> no, think of this. He probably was a great dad. I mean, this is a 1920s raised father. He definitely beat his kids. At least he had some padding. Jesus Christ. What? What? And that is the case of Hawkins v. McGee and the Harry Palm, our season opener for season two of Boozy's Legal Funhouse. Remember, if you like the show... Uh, please go to your favorite podcasting service, whatever you're listening to it on. Give it five stars. I don't give a shit what you say. Maybe say something nice. As a matter of fact, there was a nice review last time that said, if you've ever dreamed of having a high school teacher that's a hard drinker and also a badger, this is the show for you. Yay! Uh, <laughs> that's actually a pretty good That is. Book. That was a good review. Like I'm like, if I ever write a book, that's going on it. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that could be the title. We've got Zan's title for their autobiography, Zanny the Blue. So many stains. (laughs) 
Yeah, remember, if you do like the show, go to patreon.com and you want to support it, obviously. Like, not just if you like the show. This isn't pay to play. Go to patreon.com slash lawyers and liquor. Maybe you can consider becoming one of our Patreon supporters. All Patreon supporters receive episodes one week prior to them going live on air on your favorite podcast support uh, provider. And uh, the live recordings of the show, which unfortunately are no longer archived on Twitch, uh, do go up there shortly within 48 hours after airing on Twitch. So if a $5 level in supporter, you will have that access as well. We're also working on some other benefits for that. Uh, I want to thank once again my wonderful co-host, the certified legal layman, Alkali. Alkali, tell them where they can find you during your shit that's not my shit. You can find me and my mate streaming on twitch.tv backslash Alkali and Zanny. That is Zanny with an X. And Boozy, as always, thank you so much for including me in this. I genuinely feel like most episodes I learned something, except for this one, where I just can't get over the fucking poor 11-year-old with hair. Wait wait until next time, because the one next time's really going to blow your fucking mind. I can't wait. I truly enjoy recording these with you, man. Let me, let me just let me ask before we before we get going uh, on the next time. How are you with STDs? I mean, me personally, I take pills. Good, <laughs> <laughs> folks. Thank you. I'm a gay man in Chicago. We get our prep by mail. <laughs> they just hand it to you at the border. You cross into Cook County, like here. You need this. I do. You do. Folks, that will wrap up Season 2, Episode 1 of Boozy's Legal Funhouse. Thank you so much for joining me. We will be back in two weeks on your favorite podcast provider. And until next time, I'm Boozy. You're not. Thank you for joining me. And you have a wonderful rest of your day. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.